time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 67 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them, too. Don't forget, today we're brewing coffee from Haiti Joe. We are. It's delicious, and it smells amazing. It is delicious, and there's a story behind it we're going to get to later. Yeah. So, are you ready to drink this delicious Haiti Joe coffee in our Haiti Joe mugs and chat? I am. So, what's up with you, lady? So happy it's March. We're just under a month out from our chicks. I know our chicks. Our chicks are coming. We haven't really let anybody know. It's been top secret. <laughs> but yeah, we're getting Actually, chicks. Actually, yeah, we did tell all of our Patreon subscribers. Yes. Over at Patreon, they got the early news a few months ago. Uh-huh. But yeah, we're getting chicks in April. We're super excited. And it's getting warmer, man. Thank God. Thank goodness, I know. It's been a mucky, wet winter. Just a gross winter. It's been weird because we got some snow, not a big substantial amount of snow, but enough we, to make mud. Enough to make mud, icy mornings, then 50 degrees in the afternoon. It's been crazy this winter. Yeah. And I'm just ready for all of it to be done. I'm happy that we've got a lot more better weather. So we've got a lot more time outside, you know, working on gardens, working on coops and runs and all of that stuff. Well, we were saying earlier today, we were like, we can't wait till we can actually go out and do something kind of fun. Right. We work seven days a week to make the show go the way we want it to go. And we're in our studio a lot recording and working together and we barely get to go do anything fun. So when springtime comes, we can go over to the brewery. We're going to cut loose and get wild. Oh, yeah. As wild as old ladies Well, that's what we did last year. We like would record for a while, then go to the farm brew. Yeah, it was fun. We got a lot of nice breweries around here. We had a lot of milestones to celebrate that first year. It was a lot of fun. We're still getting milestones. Yes, we are. I mean, there's a big one coming up. Yep. Big, big, big. Yeah. So we're just excited. Spring cannot come soon enough. Seriously. Less than two weeks. I know. Come on. And then Easter. Easter's in April this year. I know. It's late. But I kind of like a late Easter. I'm fine with it. Do you like a late Easter? Yeah, I'm fine with the late Easter. There are more things in bloom and we can usually eat outside. I like that. I know. I feel like when Easter's in March, you're freezing, first of all. yeah. And it's usually rainy in March. Often. And it doesn't feel like Easter. I feel like Easter is in April. I need some daffodils blooming and, you know, spring blossom on the table. So we go over to the club for brunch. I don't have to cook. I'm excited about that. Yeah. But then everybody comes over here and I still have to cook in the afternoon. And they eat all your eggs. (laughs) Eggs, 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 eggs. Speaking of eggs, Franny the Leg Bar is rolling out these absolutely gorgeous, humongous turquoise colored eggs. That's cool. Leg bars are just amazing. Just a favorite breed. Absolutely. Peggy and Cornelia are now both laying and we're getting blue eggs. Yeah. And it's nice to have them in that rainbow eggs. Uh-huh. And then Anastasia and Drusilla, they're laying their super dark eggs. But Anastasia, she has some wild misfires They're going like on. completely impressionistic. I love her eggs. <laughs> it, it honestly looks like an artist painted them. They're crazy. It's, it's They're crazy. They like, put some of them up. You never know what you're going to get with her. Yeah. It's like, however, that's spinning coming out. It's like, right? She's doing paintbrushes on it and everything. Going crazy. She has paintbrushes in her overduct. <laughs> oh, my God. We really should put some photos up of her eggs, though, because they're really beautiful in their own odd way. Yeah. Everyone is different, too. And you know which one's hers. Yes. 
eggs galore. We're coming into that season. Yep. So maybe we should ask everybody a big favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head on over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And we love every review. They mean so much to us. We really appreciate it. There have been a, a really great crop of reviews lately. So thank you. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can head to our Etsy shop, check out the t-shirts we have on offer there. You can become a patron of the show. Visit patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. You can check out our levels of membership, including a free monthly bonus episode and a free Zoom call. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can share your favorite episodes on social media. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes and use our affiliate links to buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of March, you can receive 25% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens or ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEELADIES25. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love a mega box. Tons of useful products and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with the chicken tea. It's so cute and so soft. In the February box, I absolutely love the comb balm and the Valentine's Day chicken mug. I adore that chicken pathogen poster from Chicken DVM. And that cookie, it's so adorable. I am never going to eat it. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your purchase and shipping is always free. For the month of February, a portion of all sales will be donated to Adopt-A-Bird Network. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay, so now it's about that time that we do. Breed spotlight. Yeah. 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 This week we have a heritage breed, and it is the Rhode Island White. Did we confuse you there? Rhode Island, did everybody say red? And then we got you when we said white. <laughs> right. For one of the smallest states, Rhode Island's turning out a couple of big breeds of chickens. I mean, they're kicking out these breeds of chickens. Like, tomorrow, they're like, Rhode Island? We're going to represent in this chicken world, man. That's what they said back in 1880. Oh, that's what they said. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Sure of it. The Rhode Island white chicken is a large, dual-purpose breed that was really popular in the U.S. about 100 years ago. It's not very popular right now. Well, but 100 years ago, yes, it was very, very popular. The numbers started to decline in the 50s and 60s right. for all the usual reasons. Which we're not getting into. Right. If you're a regular listener, you know what happens. So now you can find the Rhode Island White on the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list in the threatened category. No, yes. we don't like hearing threatened. We don't, but it's certainly better than critically endangered. The Rhode Island White were admitted into the American Poultry Association Standards of Perfection in 1922. And I think the important thing to remember there is they are not simply a color variation of the Rhode Island Red. That's the first thing you think of. You're right. like, okay, this is just a Rhode Island Red, but it's white. 
No, it is actually a distinct breed and they have quite different foundation breeds in their DNA. And you learn that the more you look at them and look at pictures of them, the first time I looked at them, I was like, whoa, 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 it's a different comb. There was a lot of controversy about the brie when it appeared at show circles. Okay. People thought it was way too hard to tell the Rhode Island white apart from the white wine dots and the white barred rocks. Can you guess why? Wine dots, the comb. Right. They do look like a wine dot, but their body is shaped like a Rhode Island red. There are some similarities. We've been looking at a lot of wine dots lately, so I can say that if I looked at a white wine dot, I would not mix it up with a Rhode Island yeah. white, but that's because I'm a super chicken geek. I think a wine dot is much larger than this chicken. Well, the whole thing about both the Rhode Island whites and the Rhode Island reds is they share this distinguishing feature. They have a long back. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of references to their long body or their long back. At one point, there may have been Rhode Island whites that did have a straight comb, but that's pretty much been bred out by this point. Yeah, it's that rose comb. Yeah. So if you look at a Rhode Island red, they do not look as large in general. No. But if you look at pictures of the Rhode Island red and the Rhode Island white side by side, you do see that they have that longer body. The Rhode Island reds have a pretty compact body. Yeah. Wine dots are, but they're larger. Wine dots are larger in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. They're rounder. I do feel like wine nuts are much more massive. Yeah. yeah. The Rhode Island White was developed in... Can we all say it together? Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. In the late 1800s by a man named Alonzo Jacoy. Okay. So we know of three of the different foundation breeds that he used. One we can all guess because we've been talking about, the white wine dots. Yes. He used white wine dot roosters and he crossed them with partridge cochins. And that's an odd pick. But it okay. really is, isn't it? Yeah. And then some of their offspring he crossed with rose combed white leghorns. And somehow the colors of the partridge just disappear and the chicken becomes white. Well, we know of these three breeds, and we know that white is a dominant gene anyway. Yeah. So I guess that's that's how it Every came other through. color of partridges, which is all colors. Right. They're just like, well, forget you. I'm going to be a white chicken. <laughs> in, the late, in the late 1800s, cochins were really ridiculously popular. That's how they ended up in so many mixes. And they are now, too. They really are, yeah. So partridge cochin, white wine dot, rosecomb white leghorns, three amazing breeds. Yeah. The resulting birds from these crosses were large white chickens with that rose comb. They have clean yellow legs and they have somewhat tight feathering. Yeah. And we've talked about that when it comes to the American breeds. That's a mm-hmm. feature you see on some of the American breeds. Big birds. Yeah. Seven and a half, eight and a half males and five and a half, six and a half pounds for the females. They're big birds, but I don't categorize them as huge well, birds. they're not massive. You and I like massive birds. I mean, we when we look at the massive, Orpingtons, yeah. that's big. You know, the Cochins are big, but they have Cochin in them. Yeah. Why nots are normally bigger than this, too. But right. somehow the Leghorn yes. must be a really dominant gene. I mean, that's a powerful chicken in a little mighty body right well, there. Well, that's probably what leads to the fact that they are very good layers. Of course. If you got Leghorn in you, you're going to... Right. So they're a white chicken that lays large brown eggs. They lay about 250 eggs per year. They go in my good category. Ding, ding, ding. I'd like 300, but hey. Everyone can't be a leghorn. <laughs> Everyone can't be a Lucy. No. The hens will go broody, and that's probably- Cochin. All the coaching in there, yeah. Uh, it certainly is the leghorn, and they're supposed to be very good mothers, too. This is the fun part about Breed Spotlight. When you can find the foundation breeds, yeah. you can pick out the characteristic from each chicken yeah. in this breed. Yep. So you can kind of see how the chicken has come together genetically. Cochin, they have a very strong tendency to be broody. They want to be moms. That's a strong genetic force that's coming right. in. 
the leghorns, they have the egg laying ability that's coming in. And the white colored gene is dominant in this, right. and that comes out. Exactly. So you can break it all down. You can see where it all comes from. And that's the joy of the breed spotlight. I think so, too. That's super fun. So the Rhode Island White was also popular in the UK in the early 20th century. Woohoo! There was a group of Rhode Island Whites exhibited at the Crystal Palace Show in 1913. That was in London. So not long after, Rhode Island Whites in the U.S. actually started setting records for egg laying. I am not surprised. Yeah. So from about 1914 to about 1920, the Rhode Island Whites set several egg laying records. A set of Rhode Island Whites won the Silver Cup at the American Egg Laying Contest of 1920. Okay, so who won the gold cup? Leghorn sticks in my head. It may have been Leghorn. Well, figures. Yeah. Well, the Rhode Island Whites, it was a set of five hens, and they laid 1,208 eggs in one year. Okay. That's a good number. So the Rhode Island White does have kind of an interesting use. Okay. They are sometimes used as parent stock for commercial laying hybrid hens. I can see that. Yeah. It totally makes sense to your brain because they're not a huge bird. So right. they have the leghorn in, which is a, supposed to eat a lot of feed if they don't have to. Sustainable on a small amount of feed. Yeah. That has the major egg laying gene right. in it. It's a clean chicken. It makes sense. It does make sense. We think that the Rhode Island White would make a great homestead breed. Yeah. They're friendly. They're gentle. They're good layers. And you got a really cool comb there with that rose comb. It is. It's cute. I like it. They're very hardy and healthy. And if you're a homesteader, you might be looking for a bird that can hatch and rear their own chicks. They're a heritage breed, which is mixed with three chickens, and then they're rebred. Their genetics aren't really messed with a ton. It's true. They're not. So they have, over the years, become a stronger genetic chicken versus overbred, overbred, overbred. Right, right. So this chicken is going to be a strong chicken. It's cold hardy for one reason. They don't have the big floppy comb of the leghorn. Yeah, you can still get some frostbite on that rose coat, but some of the roosters have some impressive waddles yeah. that will need some protection. I mean, you still have to protect yeah. them, that's for sure. But but it's not like two or three inches of comb sticking straight in the yeah. air. They're also supposed to be good foragers. They handle confinement pretty well, but they do like their free range or their foraging time. So is there a place where we can tell everybody where they can find them? Yes. Most of the major hatcheries carry them, believe it or not. Awesome. You can also check the Livestock Conservancy's breeder directory. And if you are a member of the APA... There are breeders in the yearbook. Yes, you can check all those places. This breed is threatened. So let's help move it up the list Absolutely. for the next census and give this I cute little like, chicken a fair chance. Yeah. I honestly feel like if you have a homestead where you want to be concentrating on breeding one chicken for your egg laying, this is a really good one to go with. It doesn't have a lot of the problems that a hybrid breed would have. Right. But you get all the really great heritage breed characteristics. Along right. With. If you're into egg laying and you don't want a leghorn or a Rhode Island red, this might be the third alternative yeah. for you. And it's a cool looking chicken. It's got a little bit of a different look, but still clean. It can add a pop to your flock, that's for sure. And brown eggs. Hey, if you have this chicken, send us pictures. We'd love to see it and tell us what you think. Absolutely. So there it is, the amazing Rhode Island White. Yay! Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today.
Okay, so for this week's main topic, we are going to talk with Diane Twining. She is part of the husband and wife team that founded Roost and Root, a coop making company here in the USA. And they have amazing, amazing coops and amazing garden products. Yes, that's where the root comes in. Uh-huh. The one thing that you're going to love is this interview goes a little beyond that into who they are. And it's one of my favorite interviews. So here's our interview with Diane. Enjoy. Welcome, Diane. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. We are over here salivating over your coops. They're so gorgeous. This one over here is salivating over the greenhouse. Oh, <laughs> yes. I keep leaving. My brows are open with the greenhouse, so I hope my husband will see it. Like hint, That's, hint. <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming in. Yeah. Yes. Whatever, holiday, birthday. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The other great thing, which makes us so amazing, is that you guys really love coffee, too. And you have your own blend of coffee called Haiti Joe. And the reason it's called that is because you're giving back to Haiti and their school system. We just love it. You sent us the coffee and these really awesome mugs. Yeah. And the coffee I love the mugs. So delicious. Thank you. Thank you again. You're welcome. Yeah, let's put them up. Yes. <laughs> we all have them. These mugs are so cute. I love the colors on them. Yes. And that coffee hits the spot right now. So let's go back to the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you got started in the coop business. Okay. So we moved to a piece of property outside of Austin. We're actually in a little town called Dripping Springs, which now is sort of a suburb of Austin, but I got some chickens and I just spent a lot of time trying to find a chicken coop that worked for me, that made it easy for me to keep my chickens, go out of town, travel, do all that kind of stuff. And I really couldn't find anything. So this was 12 years ago. My husband had a commercial construction company at the time and had built a commercial building for a well-known coffee company. And we had gone through the drive through before we were on our way to visit family for Thanksgiving. And it was in operation selling coffee. And we still hadn't been paid for our part of the construction work. And we wow. were like, this kind of stinks. We're not a big company. And he's like, wow, I, you know, I wish there was something else we could do. And I said, we should build chicken coops. He's like, that's stupid. That's the <laughs> stupidest idea I have ever heard. And I said, no, I really think that if we design something well, something that people wanted to look at, I said, I think it could be popular. And he's like, well, I think that's a dumb idea <laughs> in a nice way. Isn't that kind of every husband's response to the chicken? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I've come to learn over the years, it's generally one spouse or the other's response. There's usually a driver in yep, all yeah. of the chicken keeping endeavors until they get chickens. And then people are like, why didn't we do this a long time ago? Where have you been all my life, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we kind of spent the drive talking about chickens. And I mean, I could have anything I want in my yard because I don't have neighbors I need to impress. But whatever's in your backyard, you have to look at it. Every time you go in your backyard, yep. once he finally came around to the idea of building chicken coops, I kept saying it has to be cute. And he's yes. like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and then he would, <laughs> he would design something, draw something, and I'd be like, no, that's not cute. And uh, so we kind of went back and forth. And finally, he came up with our backyard coop. That was our very first model. And I said, that's cute. 
I could see somebody who has a backyard wanting to look at that in their backyard. So that's kind of where we started. We built 20. So my husband is just this over the top kind of person. And he said, well, if I'm going to build one or two, I'm going to build 20. (laughs) So we built 20 and put them on Craigslist. And that was like on a Thursday. And by Sunday, they were all sold. And we were like, hmm. Maybe this is not a stupid idea Maybe after this all. Is not a stupid idea at all. And if, if your husband's building coffee shops, it does make sense to get more of the lumber in bulk, build everything up. Yeah. And a chicken coop is nothing compared to a coffee shop. So <laughs> right, yeah, right. And he's amazing. just a builder. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. He is a builder. Mm-hmm. Same principles apply to just about anything you're building. And so it translated really well. So it's kind of gone from there. That's amazing. Okay. So tell us, what does your farm look like? And what kind of animals are you keeping right now? Oh my gosh. So we're kind of in a unique position because we do have a piece of property. We have about 10 acres that we live on and our house is on one part of the property. And then kind of on the far edge of our property is actually the shop where we build all of our products. So it's all here on on one property, which is really nice. Chicken coops are a little bit of a seasonal business. And so just being able to have our shop here on our property that we already pay for because we live here really helps with overhead. You can't beat the commute for my husband and I. <laughs> it is a little bit weird that, you know, sometimes I walk out my front door and there's 25 people showing up for work in the morning, you know, and I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> I have to be a little bit mindful of that. But on our property, oh my goodness. So we have about 100 chickens. We call them our product testers. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, I keep a lot of chickens. I have a couple of ducks. I have four horses, a donkey, a potbelly pig named Charlie, who loves the people in the shop. So at lunchtime, Charlie waddles up and gets handouts and everything. Um, (laughs) Love it. Lots of dogs, a couple of cats. In the past, we've had goats. And one year, my husband bought me a camel for Christmas. <laughs> and Yes. So this. we have had all kinds of animals, but right now, just normal stuff. Potbelly pigs and yeah. chickens. And, yeah. <laughs> what you would think of on the farm. Exactly. And that's yeah. the thing that we love about Roost and Root is that you are living the product that you're putting out there. Yeah. And basically, you know what's working for you because you're using it on an everyday basis. You're testing them yourself before people even get them. So you know they're a good product. They're working for you. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you the question that we all want the answer to. Sure. What breeds of chicken (laughs) are you keeping? So right now, I kind of go through phases. So my favorite of the past couple of months is probably not a very exciting one, but Rhode Island Reds. I ran into a breeder of true Rhode Island Reds. The Heritage Reds, yeah. Yes, and I love them. They're just beautiful. People are really surprised at how pretty they are. So I have quite a few of those. And then 
when you keep chickens and you have a lot of chicken coops, you tend to get people's roosters. Yep. <laughs> and so I'm like a rooster home for wayward roosters. And so you have so a couple then, bachelor pads, I take. Yes. Every spring I hatch out a hodgepodge of whatever is out there. And so I would say that I have a abundance of mutts. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> some who have like silky feet and Polish cones and red feathers like Rhode Island reds. I mean, they, I, we are not going to win any chicken competitions, but, <laughs> but they're hardy and yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. It's so funny. You talk about Rhode Island red this year. I got my first Rhode Island red. My husband wanted a chicken out of all of our chickens and he picked the breed and he picked Rhode Island Red and he's like, I get to name her, so her name's Spicy. And, <laughs> and she's also a heritage red and, and she's gorgeous. She is that mahogany kind of dark yes. red. So pretty. And she goes against, I mean, we do breed spotlights all the time and Rhode Island Red has a reputation and she goes against it. She wants to be held and loved and hugged. She lives up to her name. She's always in front of the camera. Whenever <laughs> I'm doing something, she's walking in front. They really are absolutely beautiful chickens. She stole my horse. Yeah. So I yeah. know what you mean about the Rhode Island Red. Yes. Really kind of get to you. So you started off as the Urban Coop Company. And then there was a big time name change. And that is coming in more for your love of plants and gardening. And you're bringing it together in with the coops because basically they kind of go hand in hand. Absolutely. So that's what we came to realize. So we were Urban Coop Company, which is, was an awesome name because it kind of encompassed what we were trying to do at the time, which is sort of just make chicken coops kind of mainstream that not everybody has to have 10 acres to be able to keep chickens. But as we were selling our coops, we just stay in touch with a lot of customers. So customers call us over the years, we found that we have a lot of repeat business, which we didn't really know when we started that that was going to happen. We're like, you know, somebody buys a chicken coop and they're done. People buy multiple chicken coops. As we know, they like people like chickens and they kind of yes. get into them. But we were hearing over and over, you know, what else do you guys sell? We like your products. They're really high quality. We want more stuff. And so we first branched out into the garden beds. Um, Love those. Yeah, they're yes. really nice. Oh, they will turn anybody into a green thumb. I'm telling you, I am not, or I wasn't a great gardener until I got a bunch of garden beds to test out. Mm -hmm. And I had more vegetables than I knew what to do with. Everybody in the shop got zucchini. <laughs> they are really awesome. But we really wanted to change our name to reflect the chickens and the gardening aspect. So we changed our name early 2020 to Roost and Root. I love it. Yeah, it's a it great name. It says it so well. And you know, the raised bedding, I love it. I'm on three acres and it's basically flatland grass with some trees on the edges, evergreens and trees and not a lot of gardens. And I have one raised bed and I find that I do the best with that because I'm not digging out and starting with oh, having to yes. make the whole yep. bed out. <laughs> this you can kind of put down. Yeah. It's an easier way. You can oh yeah, I swear it. by them. You can put your dirt in and then plant and put it exactly where the sun is the best. For sure. And it makes your garden look really neat. <laughs> it really makes the garden look pretty. It does. I yeah. love them. We were looking at your website, going over all your products, and I was like, I love those rice beds. Yeah. They're so awesome. 
Thank you. They're great. Like you said, they really just allow you to decide what kind of soil you're going to have, what kind Mm -hmm. of amendments you're going to put in. They're deep enough that roots, like we live on a big rock. There is no such thing as soil. It all kind of (laughs) runs down into a creek. And so, you know, our raised beds are really deep and they do kind of hurt your feelings the first time you have to purchase dirt to fill them. Dirt, unfortunately, is not cheap. Um, But once you have them with the dirt, they're great for years and years and years. Well, the other thing a lot of listeners ask us too is what to do with all that chicken poop and letting it sit and do its thing. And then you can fill those beds with that manure once it's all done. If you have neighbors, this might not be so easy. But what we'll do is we'll make a raised bed. And we'll put the chicken poop in it and let it compost in the bottom of the bed. Exactly. And build over top of it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. A little while. Yeah. Yeah. Let that kind of do its thing. That's the good thing. They go together. That's why the name is so cool and so (laughs) right on because chickens are the friends of the garden. They're also a little bit of the enemies if they eat it. So we did kind of realize that, and I don't know if you saw it, but we have the raised garden beds for that very reason. I do think chickens and gardens go hand in hand at a certain point. At a certain point, chickens are enemies of gardens. Um, (laughs) But we had created the wildlife covers. So they are actually covers that go onto the garden beds. And I have to tell you guys a funny story. We were doing a big photo shoot for the garden beds. And we have some smaller garden beds that we call basic garden beds. They're not nearly as deep as the other ones, but it was like October and not great availability of produce. But I went to the grocery store and bought all kinds of lettuce and produce and everything like that and kind of stuck it in there. So it looked good. (laughs) And it looked like it was this flourishing garden. And we're out there taking pictures and people that were taking the pictures, they walked into the shop to do something. And I came into the office to do something. And I'm on the telephone with a customer and I look out the window and the chickens are like running across my yard (laughs) with like heads of lettuce in their mouth. I was like, oh my gosh. I totally remember my mom when I was little and she'd be like, this is why we can't have anything nice. And I was like, this is exactly why we can't have anything nice. And so that's when we kind of were like, maybe we need a cover for these things. Bring in the backup to the backup veggies because the chickens are going wild out there. Exactly. That's too funny. And they can run, man. When they want to run, they're like, you can't catch them. Yeah. Yes. And they're all, and the other ones are chasing behind them. And lettuce is flying everywhere. (laughs) And like, oh my gosh. So which of the rooster root coops is your favorite and why? So that's really hard. Like you said, before we even put a coop on our website, we've sat down and figured it out. There's probably between six and 800 hours that we put into creating a coop between designing it, prototyping it, and then generally six months to a year of just using it Mm -hmm. before we actually sell it. Because I go out there every day, I'll identify, hey, this door opens in an awkward way. Can we switch it? Or Mm -hmm. um, this is too hard to clean out. Can we switch it? So gosh, it's really hard to pick one because there's good things about all of them. We started out, our very first one was our backyard coops. I kind of have a special place in my heart for that one. I made the mistake at the very beginning thinking that all chicken keepers were going to be just practical, no frills, bare bones. And I've come to realize that that is not necessarily the case. And 
really when I we created the backyard coop in my head, I'm thinking that's all we need. That is a perfectly adequate coop. And it is, but there are so many other things and so many other designs that are really good. So the backyard coop, because it was our first one, but probably the walk-in coop, oh, not because that. it's the most expensive or the biggest. It looks really pretty. It's super easy to clean. It holds a lot of chickens and I like a lot of chickens. I'm kind of <laughs> tend so to go I, overboard. I, I really, really love the round top walk-in, but you have it in two different sizes. That's good for people who don't need all of the size. But I like the fact that you can walk in there. I'm looking at a picture of it now because I just drool over this. Piece. <laughs> that was beautiful. It's it beautiful. beautiful. I love it. It's different than anything I've ever seen. Yeah, it is very unique. It is very pretty. The craftsmanship is gorgeous. And the way that you have it pictured, that's how you're going to see it nestled in with some <laughs> gardens around it, some trees. And it looks that the chickens are very, very safe predator-wise. Yeah. The roof is built in, so bad weather. They're not in the rain, and they're Actually, still getting sun. That is fantastic for, we have those couple of cases of high pathogenic avian flu that has been found in the U.S. Yes. And that setup it's is ready to go. Ready to go for something like avian flu. We looked at that when we were looking at it the other night. We both did the same thing. You wouldn't have to do anything. Your biosecurity right. would be top notch. There yep. are no wild birds of any kind getting in here and having anything come through. So it's gorgeous. It has the storage built into it, correct? So the walk-in does not have storage. Our stand-up coop has the storage. All your coops are gorgeous. But this round top walk-in, that's the one I Google over. I looked at it. I was like, oh my goodness. While you're listening to this, go online and look up Rooster Marina. Go to their website. And you can look up the pictures. There's a adult man standing in this Yeah. Room, and there's so much space. And I love the little the nest, nest boxes. boxes. They're so cute. Oh, my goodness. Just fantastic. You ship out the coop as a kit. So in your workshop, all the workmen are putting all the work into cutting each piece to make sure everything's going to fit together. But just to let everybody know, this will ship out as a kit. And then you will be able to put it together where you need to put it together on your property, which is good because it gives you a choice. You can yeah. set it up where you need to set it up. The other thing that we liked is that you do offer assistance by phone on the website because somebody like me, I might get to it and be like, oh my Lord. <laughs> I like the fact that I can call somebody and say, image A is not fitting into image B. <laughs> I just love that. What are the other options that you offer to customers? So anybody that answers the telephone at Roost and Root keeps chickens. They know about chickens. They can answer chicken questions. So I think that that helps. They keep chickens in a Roost and Root chicken yes. coop. But, you know, certainly when we started, we understand that if somebody had a building inclination, they'd probably build their own coop. Now it might not make sense because we buy lumber and bulk and try and pass that along sure. to our customers. But we understand that people aren't craftsmen that buy our chicken coops. When the first couple of coops were designed, my husband, who's the designer, would also create the instructions and they would hand me the parts to the coop and a drill and the instructions and be like, go to town. You know, it's actually really good because I could tell him 
what makes a good chicken coop. And my husband's been around chickens long enough. Now he kind of understands what makes a good chicken coop. But the very first one, you had to screw up over your head. And I was like, you have to change that. The average person, you can, but you've been using a drill for 30 years. I can't do it. And so we try and be very accurate about estimates on how long it's going to take people to put together. The last thing we want to do is have somebody unhappy with us because we say, oh, it'll take you an hour when it takes you, you know, eight hours. Right. But I think one of the great things about owning your own business and growing with a company is when you first start a business, you do everything because you don't really have a choice. That's just the nature of owning your own business and starting your own business and being kind of an entrepreneur. But as you grow, you can kind of shed off the things that you don't love to do. One of the things that I've kept, even though we've grown, is I answer the phone. I may not be very first one in the queue, but I'm second in the queue. And actually, it's my oldest daughter who answers the phones. So that's really nice. I love Um, that it's so personal. It was so personal that you were told to put the <laughs> together first as a person who's not a builder well, I got to, to test it out. I think that's amazing too for I a bunch that. of reasons. But I will tell you, my husband and I have put a lot of coops together. And I think the simplest way I can sum this up is to say a bad design or bad instructions can seriously test a relationship or a marriage. <laughs> so hundreds of times I have gotten emails from people and they're like, my marriage withstood putting the coop together. You guys build a great product. <laughs> Seriously, that's important to us. We try as business owners, my husband and I, and then everybody who works here. How would you want things to go if you spent X number of dollars on this product? And we really take that to heart. Now, on the flip side, our coops are largely hand-built and humans make errors, unfortunately. It's so funny, the backyard coop, you make thousands in a year. And every once in a while, we'll get a phone call and a customer will be like, this one particular part is built wrong. And we're just like, oh my gosh, like somebody who has built literally thousands of that particular part messed it up. Then we send them apart overnight because we're like, sorry. (laughs) But yeah, that's okay. Yeah. You're so into this company and that is so refreshing to have someone who cares so much about the product because they're using it themselves. (laughs) That's how it all started. Yeah. I just love it. And I love the fact that when you call in, you can get someone who's actually the person who's building the coop pieces themselves to say to you, this is what you need to do. Maybe turn it this way. And then you've already gone through instructions and said, how is somebody who doesn't have a lot of building experience going to look at this? You've done everything right. And it's amazing how it all comes together and your customer service is top notch. So that's also amazing. That is definitely a priority for us. So we know that these are amazing handcrafted coops, but at the beginning of the interview, you pointed out to us that you have some 3D printers that you've been using for components. How is that working? Yeah. So we're always kind of trying to figure out just how to work smarter. And while the vast majority of what we build is handcrafted, because we do send things out as a kit meaning it's not put together here, we have to be pretty precise in our measurements. And one of the ways that we do that is we use CNC machines. So 
computer numerically controlled machines. They're basically computers running cut files, uh, like routers that cut the wood, which then translates into just every part is the same, which is also a nice aspect. You know, if you run into it, or you are like me and you back into your greenhouse and um, no. <laughs> you could just call us up and say, Hey, I backed into part B6. Can you send me a new B6? And we're like, yeah, we know exactly how to build B6. And we know exactly the size. What's good about it is just with animal and chicken care, you're going with technology and you're going <laughs> with changing of the times. Right. As more options come available, that's kind of what we talk about with chicken yeah. care, yeah. you know, going to the vets or the panel heaters during the winter time. Technology brings us to that next level. Yeah, I mean, and you're doing the yes. same and you're working it in with hand craftsmanship. That's awesome. So the CNC machines are one aspect, but all of our coops have the option to have integrated waters. And we found over the years that the standard poultry nipples, which I love. I think they're the best things in the whole wide world, the, just the standard poultry nipples. People are being able to keep their water from freezing in cold areas, but the poultry nipple, the design creates a little section where water gets trapped inside the poultry nipple and the poultry nipple freezes. So even if their water doesn't okay. freeze, the poultry nipple itself freezes. And smarter people than me were like, well, we should think of a different way to do that. And so we designed our own no freeze poultry nipple. And it's just got a few different components. It doesn't have the little ball bearing that traps water, but it also has a copper pin, which kind of goes up into the water and the copper conducts electricity and the bell housing the plastic part that kind of keeps it all together. That was our very first thing that we printed on a 3D printer. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was really cool. The other thing, you know, our coops by design are pretty open. I think that a lot of people don't love how open they are, but we know as chicken keepers that more open is better, just ventilation. But we recognize that cold weather and snow blowing in your coop is not awesome. So we have what we call storm panels. So they are polycarbonate panels that attach to the outside of the coop. And we used to use these crazy strong magnets to attach them to the coop. They were awesome until they weren't. So as dirt and debris kind of gets between the magnet and the wire and the coop, I mean, they were really great because they would just kind of click on. But we did have some people who lived in areas where they would blow off and that kind of thing. So they weren't perfect. And so we set about figuring out how to design a clip. Our wire is half inch by one inch. And we have 3D printed clips that go in through the wire and you just kind of turn them. And that keeps the panels on. And it's been great because as everybody knows, supply chain issues, yeah. everybody's facing those kind of things. So 3D printing parts, if a manufacturer changes the thickness on the polycarbonate panels that we get, we can just go in and change the dimensions of yeah. the clips that we print. So it just allows us a lot of options. We have something new coming up in the spring and we're using the 3D printer for quite a bit of that carabiner clips 
the little oh clips. yes 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 um we're experimenting with printing carabiner clips nice. because it's not like somebody needs them to like rappel off a mountain you just need it to keep a raccoon from opening up your coop right. and so we're kind of experimenting with that because believe it or not there's a worldwide shortage of carabiner clips <laughs> those panels the storm ingenious. panels the storm panels we we, we saw them and we said yes. this is amazing that is an awesome idea yeah. And I think of how can you do that for your run yeah. that you may have. We go back to the avian flu right now to right. pick that up as, okay, we're coming into the next month. Let's be super or, vigilant. You know, we have a nor'easter blow in. We've got to block the Snowstorm, you know? right. hurricane yeah. for winds. That idea we <laughs> love. Yeah. It's an amazing idea and it's all about protecting your chickens. Right. The carabiner, I'm assuming you're going to be 3D printing them with plastic or polymer. Correct. We use carabiners on everything because mm -hmm. we have raccoons everywhere. Yes, right. My husband and I also keep sheep, and we use large carabiners to keep the panels shut for the sheep gate. Right. Well, the past couple of weeks when we've had this brutal wet weather, all the carabiners on the chicken coops are freezing yes. because they're metal. Mm -hmm. My husband found big plastic carabiners for the sheep field, and we're like, these are the best things ever because they're not freezing. My husband went out this morning to let the chickens out for me. He's like, they're frozen. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Every, they just freeze. And the polymer is yeah. genius. So the other thing we wanted to touch on is the cedar wood that you use for your coops. Love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There really isn't anything better for an outdoor wood than cedar. You don't have to paint it or stain it. In fact, we discourage painting it, but we really wanted people to have an option of a material that didn't have any type of chemical treatment around their chickens. You know, I personally think that probably most paints nowadays are safe and would be fine. But just from a maintenance standpoint, once you start doing something, you usually have to keep on doing it. And who wants to be doing stuff another, like that? You could be. You don't need to, why? Right. Exactly, yeah. Another point about that is back to my sheep. And so when you buy pressure treated lumber, it's treated with a copper solution. Well, sheep are extremely sensitive to copper and can get very sick from copper toxicity. So just the fact that you wouldn't have to use any treatment. And actually, the way our farm is set up, where we have our chicken coops are borders of the sheep field. So you would not have to worry about if you had livestock that were copper sensitive or chemical sensitive. I'm sure that stuff leaches into the soil. Right. You would assume that it does. But the other reason we use cedar is just my husband, who's a builder, had a lot of experience with cedar. He knows how cedar handles weathering. And there probably are one or two other woods that are similar to cedar, like redwood or cypress. Cedar is the most readily available and okay. the most renewable of all of them. And so cedar it is. I would say the main drawback to cedar is it's expensive and it has just yeah. gotten crazy expensive in the last year or so. But really, it is just an incredible wood that can handle getting wet, drying out, freezing, being baked in the sun and does a good job. I'm just going to bring up the greenhouse because yes. that is an amazing product. <laughs> Holly's over here drooling constantly. I <laughs> love it, that greenhouse. <laughs> I, I always say the greenhouses would be great areas too for when it's not great weather 
to put your chickens in for a little while to get them out. It's a great place to have like two hours if it's pouring down rain and let them just walk around so they're not getting drenched out there. I love it. I need one in my backyard. <laughs> yes. So this is part of the whole taking in the gardening aspect of the Roost and Root. And let me just say you did a fantastic job on the designing of this greenhouse. Thank you. We've only been selling it, I guess it's been out right at a year now, a little less than a year. I think we started shipping them about April of last year. I, like I mentioned before, had a black thumb, truly. I mean, I have had my starts at gardening over the years and they have not gone well. But between the greenhouse and our garden beds, I've had a lot of success. And what's been really fun is hearing from customers, the different things people use them for. Pottery studios, another couple, they like to play cards and they wanted a warm place to play cards. (laughs) They live in Wisconsin. Yeah. I can see it because it's a beautiful structure. It is. And yes, as a chicken person myself, I look at it as a place for the chickens to go for a few hours (laughs) to get out of the elements, you know? It would work for them. But also- These days, seeds are huge in planting. Uh, So having a place to put them, your greenhouse is perfect. You are actually running a sale right now on your website. So this is the time to go on the website and look at these structures if you're interested and like them. Because the sales that you're running are pretty good sale right now, I would say. Yes, we have worked really hard to be sure that going into the spring that we are good on materials. There is a severe material shortage out there across the building industry. And we've just been in business long enough. We know what's coming for spring. And we have worked hard to make sure that that doesn't impact us and impact our customers. Really fast, one thing I wanted to say about the greenhouse, which kind of was an interesting thing is we have chickens and we don't eat our chickens, but we eat the eggs. And when you have chickens, you kind of know where one part of your diet is coming from, one thing that you're eating, you know, which is a lot of peace of mind. But introducing the greenhouse and introducing the garden beds, you're really in your own way starting to become really self-sufficient. And that's a kind of a neat idea to think about that you could have some backyard chickens and some garden beds. And while you may not feed your family all their meals, you certainly could go a long way towards spending for yourself. This day and age, like 2020 on with COVID, it has opened a lot of people's eyes yeah. to food security became yeah. a buzzword and, and it's very important. Food I mean, security, yeah. Chickens went into a huge boom. I mean, we've had it for many, many years. <laughs> right. Um, right. You couldn't get a coop. You couldn't get anything because so many new people were coming on. And you give everyone these tools for food security. For food yeah. security mm-hmm. and to make it an easier thing to do. And like you said, it's not going to give you all your food, but. Hey, if you it love can... looking at seed catalogs and buying those seeds, it's going to have the <laughs> greenhouse to start them going. Yes. So we absolutely love the Roost and Root slogan. So were these some of the ideas behind Find Your Inner Farmer? Yeah. So way back when, when I was telling my husband, you should build a coop, it kind of was prompted by a friend of mine. She's like, oh, I love chickens and I would love to get chickens, but I don't know where to start. And I'm like, 
just to have your husband build you a coop. And she's like, my husband can't build me a coop. He doesn't know how to do that. And just the idea that everybody can do it, like it's accessible and approachable. You don't have to have a degree in agriculture. You don't have to have ever even been around a chicken before in your life. And you too can have chickens. The slogan, actually, one of my daughters came up with way back when it's a good one. I mean, it's followed us through the years. And it's true. You have it in you. You don't have to have any special skills or knowledge, just the desire. And this day and age, finding your inner farmer is even easier than ever because there are so many more resources out there (laughs) for people like all of us to help people who are new and give them those skills and the knowledge that they need to be able to have the confidence to take it on and to say, yes, I'm doing this. And that makes us all feel really good that we're helping for this greater cause, you know, going back to nature and living with the land. I feel like chicken coop kits are, like you said, extremely important in accessibility because someone might not be confident enough to build a chicken coop. They might not know where to start, but almost everyone can put together a kit. To actually plan it out, yeah, to buy the all wood, that stuff, to cut yep. the wood. That is a skill. You it know, is, you have right. to have that skill to be able to do that. Exactly. So either you're going to do a lot of research and figure it out, or there are the resources out there like you guys who have done all that for everyone. And you can still put it together and feel that <laughs> sense of, I did this. Yeah, that absolutely right. accessibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's but, fantastic. And have a little bit of help along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw a lot in 2020 with COVID. Another thing, you know, people needed something, put down your phone and get outside. And chickens are great. Teach your kids responsibility. But they're also like the very best pets, I think, in the whole wide world. Because if you want to spend time with them, awesome. They're happy for you to be out there with them. But if you're busy and life gets busy and all you can do is feed and water them for two weeks, they don't care either. You know what I mean? They allow you to still travel and not be tied down. That was another big design criteria for us with our coops. We knew people wanted to be able to have chickens, but also be able to go out of town. And so we have some features that help that. Well, like your um, automatic feeders and the waters, you can fill those and the food comes out automatically for multiple days. So if you had to get stuck somewhere overnight, you know that that food and water's there. We keep bringing up avian flu because it is prevalent right now. Those automatic feeders, that's all covered. Right. Nothing's right. getting into Wild those. birds are not getting into that. No. No. Right. So that's nope. another really good feature that you have right now. Any new sure. plans for, or are they on the horizon for Roost and Root? Yes. Yeah, so we're excited. My husband comes up with these wacky ideas and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is just <laughs> going to be so weird. And I've just learned over the years to kind of sit back and let it all unfold. And then I'm like, wow, that's a pretty good idea. So... <laughs> Uh, (laughs) we have a new coop that we are coming out with. He was inspired by an egg. So it's kind of an oval shaped coop, very different than what we have currently available, much lower price point, like certainly sub $1,000, easy to put together, fits three birds, integrated water and feeder. So 
unique in the shape and some of the design elements unique to us in that it does not use as much cedar, which is what allows us to lower the price. And you kind of talked about it earlier. So people call all the time and they're like, well, why should I buy your coop versus another coop? And, you know, if you've never kept chickens, you don't really know what the experience is like. And you keep sheep and chickens and you know that when your gate doesn't swing properly or your carabiner clip gets stuck, you're like, I do not want to go do this. So I want to go take care of them. Yeah. And we try and make sure people have a good experience that things are easy to do and easy to take care of. And so this is kind of our version of that entry level starter coop. This sounds amazing. It does. And you say three chickens, that's standard size chicken. So if you were going bantams, which are big these days. Yes. You could get an additional few bantams. So five, five, seven. Maybe, yeah, into this coop. So if you wanted to go small chickens, you could get more. Exactly. We took some of the knowledge that we learned from the greenhouse. And this was where I was like, this is so weird. And I just think people are going to hate it. But the more I look at it, the more I'm like, oh, I really like this. The roof is clear. So it's a clear polycarbonate. And it really makes for a pretty coop, but I also think that the chickens like it. So I was like, no, it's just going to be too hot. That's what I kept telling my husband. So he goes online and he finds these instruments that sample the temperature once every 0.8 seconds or something like that, and then compile all the data. And so he built two little test coops and we set them next to each other with a metal roof and this new plastic roof. And they were identical, even though that he told me that it wasn't until I actually saw the data. But I mean, that's kind of the detail that we get into, right? Because Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that if we put a plastic see through kind of clear roof that your chickens aren't going to cook, and they are not, in fact, going to cook in there. That's good to know. It's very good. You're in Texas. So if it works in Texas, it's going to work almost every place else. Exactly. We're hoping to have that first of March for sale shipping the first of April. So kind of by chick season. The other thing that I think that that coop is going to be great for is an isolation coop. Um, I was thinking a hospital coop. A broody coop. We all know that multiple coops are the way to go in terms of (laughs) keeping things going well. And so I think that this is going to be a really good one to add to our lineup. And it's going to be called the urban coop. So we kind of went back to our old name. And I like the fact that it's less expensive so that if someone wanted to add, and we are big advocates for hospital coops and hospital Mm -hmm. places because we all know that chickens, when they're sick, it doesn't go well with a sick chicken with everybody else. You have to separate them. Right. Before you even get started, you need to have multiple areas to put your chickens. So that is amazing. I love that. That is so exciting, in fact. It is very exciting. So now that we've talked about your amazing raised beds, that greenhouse that I'm still drooling over, and all of your gorgeous coops, we're going to change direction a tiny bit. We're going to talk about this charity you've developed, Haiti Joe Coffee. Now, as we talk, we're sitting here drinking the Haiti Joe Coffee. We love it. And the smell in our studio is just amazing. And I love the mugs. They're so colorful. Oh, the mugs are adorable. Can everyone get the mugs? Can they purchase these? Yes. 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 HaitiJoe.com. I'll have links to the coffee and the mugs linked to the show notes, as well as to all the coops and all the other gardening goodies. So tell us a little bit about how this came about, please. 
So 2010, after the big earthquake in Haiti, my husband went down to Haiti to kind of help out. And Haiti was a mess after the earthquake. And he came back, kind of learned some things when he was down there. One of them was a lot of food was donated, palletized. They sent food on big pallets, but it was very hard. They have no pallet handling equipment, no tractors. And this food was basically stuck in the airport and went bad. And so he came back and we started a nonprofit called Angels in Cowboy Boots. And we figured out calories and a combination of food. And we put them in five gallon buckets and sent uh, about 300,000 meals to Haiti. Um, We sent them all over the world, actually kind of Angels and Cowboy Boots expanded beyond Haiti. But when my husband was in Haiti, after the earthquake, he met our son that we eventually adopted. So my son is from Haiti. Um, So we just kind of have a special place in our heart for Haiti. Over the years, after that initial sort of get them food, because that's what they need, you know, we started to have this idea of can we help them do what they're trying to do. So lots of chicken coops have gone to Haiti. My kids for a couple spring breaks have hand carried chicken eggs and incubators down to Haiti. And it's kind of morphed over the years. A couple of years ago, my husband and daughter were in Haiti and they have this really good coffee in Haiti and it's real smooth and they're driving and my husband tells the pastor that he always goes and visits. He says, let's go to Rebo Coffee and see if they'll let us import their coffee. Turn the car and they show up at Rebo Coffee and the guy says, you can't do it under our name, but we will help you import some Haitian coffee. So took about two years, was kind of a long process, but we now have 5,500 bags of Haitian coffee. So in Haiti, they're micro farms, like the farm might be the size of your kitchen table. You know, this couple has a couple of coffee plants and they go get the coffee, wash it, roast it. And we send them bags and they send it to us and we sell it on our website. And we are trying to do it with this model where we have a very clear price for the coffee. And then we ask people to add on as a donation. And Haiti has a really inadequate school system. Just the statistics of schools in Haiti is so sad. You know, like 60% of kids don't go past about the fourth grade. And what's really tough is to us, the vast majority of education in Haiti is private. And, you know, here in the United States, we think private, ooh, you know, la-di-da. Private is really the only way that they can get an education. But, you know, it's a very, very poor country. And if you have a choice of feeding your kid or sending them to school, you're probably going to feed them. Yeah. And so we are just familiar enough with kind of how things work there that what we have decided to do through Haiti Joe and our nonprofit K-12 Haiti is support schools in Haiti. So private schools, because that's really the option there. We specifically send money to pay teacher salaries, textbooks, and technology. So three T's, teachers, textbooks, and technology. And Haiti Joe is our way of seeding some of those donations. It's a whole lot easier to sell somebody a bag of coffee than it is to be like, can you give us some money to send to Haiti? 
I mean, it's just not a very sexy place to send your money, unfortunately. I mean, it has just got some systemically broken things about it, but there's good people doing really good things there that we work to support. That's amazing. That's just fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that. We have been meeting some extraordinary extraordinary people. people. They are women who are changing this world. (laughs) And it's amazing. It gives you goosebumps to think about how much change that you're making. And I think it's so smart to say to people, hey, buy this coffee and then donate five dollars on here to this. And the coffee, the first thing I thought of first sip was how smooth it was. Yes, that's the word that comes to mind. It is a smooth coffee. The word that came in my mind when I took the first sip. It's really fantastic. It's delicious. And it's coffee that you can drink and feel good about. The fact that you're helping someone get an education, I commend you and your family. That is amazing. It really is. Absolutely amazing work. Thank you. I'm glad you guys like it. So the first batch we got, we were like, woo, this is just a little bit rougher than we expected. And they uh, kind of changed the roasting process. And we were like, wow, this is good. And we're big coffee drinkers. And that was kind of our idea, you know, just something that you are already spending your money on. Yep. Yes. You pay for the coffee and then you add in what you would like to donate. And it's very this is easy. a coffee you're going to get hooked on. I'm already hooked <laughs> on it. I'm like, man, I need to get back up and get another cup. <laughs> it's just a perfect way to give back. It's just extraordinary amazing. the good you have done in this world. Again, I will have links to Haiti Joe. So you can go buy the coffee. Donate. Send us a picture. Yeah, we'll put we'll it yes. up. Bonus if it's you drinking coffee near your chicken. <laughs> that, that is even better. One of the neat things about Haiti Joe is K-12 Haiti is the nonprofit. Haiti Joe is kind of the cause product to support the nonprofit. All of the overhead is covered by Rooster Root. So we have people in our packaging department in Rooster Root that package up the coffee. So no donation money is used for any kind of overhead. Rooster Root covers that and our employees love it. I mean, they just think that that's really fun for them to be able to be at work and supporting something. Yes. Yeah, it really does make you feel good to change a child's life. Diane, can you buy coffee and gift it to someone else? Can you buy coffee and have it shipped to someone else? Yes, absolutely. A couple people, okay, that I'm going to yes. some coffee to. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Okay. Okay, so we're going to end this with the question that we ask everyone. What is your favorite breed of chicken? My very favorite chicken is a leghorn, a white yes! leghorn chicken. Can you think of a more, like, boring chicken in the whole yeah, world? No. I have one leghorn. Her name is Lucy, and she is so dear to my heart. And I'm at the feed store, and she's sitting in there, and I'm like, I can't leave her. And I'm finally <laughs> in, and I was like, I'm about to buy a leghorn. I said, good. <laughs> good. And she rides with me in the car. She's amazing. Why do you love them so much? So when we were doing our chicken coops in Haiti, we wanted the chickens there for eggs. We think that is the best and brightest use for chickens in Haiti. I mean, you can't beat a leghorn. They lay a ton of eggs. They don't get big and fat. They can live off air practically. I mean, they're just good at feed utilization. And, you know, they're not the most cuddly chicken, but they're like a minivan. They are just like the most practical thing in the whole world. It just so happens that we both love minivans too. So I have a minivan. Oh God, it's out there. I'm a minivan mom. I used to have one and I loved it. (laughs) 
Are you sending Leghorn hatching eggs to Haiti? That was what we seeded our initial coops with. I had about 350 leghorns here at the time. I know it was crazy. White chickens everywhere. Um, (laughs) I bet you it was beautiful. And so many eggs. Each of my daughters carried about 200 eggs down there. And so that started their flock. Wow, that is amazing. What a great story. I love it. And we love (laughs) leghorns. (laughs) <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so do you have leghorns on the farm now? Too? I do. I do. I have quite a few still. Okay. Are they all the white? Do you have any of the browns? I've kept the browns over the years, but the white were what we used for our project. Okay. We love all the leghorns, so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lucy's a white leghorn, but I always say she's not supposed to eat that much, but she's one of my top eaters. Just because they can get away with not eating a lot doesn't mean they don't want to eat a lot. <laughs> exactly. She's a chow hound. She's a chow hound. Diane, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. What a superwoman doing all these amazing things. Another extraordinary chicken lady. You are an extraordinary chicken lady. And thank you so much for coming on and spending your Saturday afternoon with us. Thank you guys very much. I really enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. We just want to say thank you one more time to Diane for agreeing to come on and talk with us. We had such a great time and we will look forward to talking to her again in the near future. We love chatting with Diane. Instant friend. So now it's about that time. We... Crack some eggs. Cracking those eggs. So this week we are talking classic coffee cake to go along with your Haiti Joe's coffee because you need some coffee and some coffee cake together. Yeah, that sounds good right now. Because we like our cake really moist. <laughs> you love saying that I word. I do, and I, it's perverse because I know that it's one pe- of the most hated words. That's why I like to say it. I don't understand why it's hated. Moist. When you want a cake, you want it to be moist. <laughs> so Sophia says the same thing because she doesn't understand why it's so hated. But when you look it up, it's one of the most hated words in the English language. That's so bizarre to me. Moist cake. These people, <laughs> moist cake. It just makes me laugh. Let's just face it. Everything makes me laugh. Good coffee cake does not make you laugh. And because we wanted moist coffee cake, we <laughs> went with a buttermilk recipe. And I will say that because I can't have gluten and dairy, we always adapt our recipes to be gluten and dairy free. We give both. Right. Well, buttermilk is one of the ingredients that really allows you to make a cake gluten-free and dairy-free. Yeah. And still have it be outstanding. Yeah. So it's very easy to make dairy-free buttermilk. You just use a plant milk and you add a tablespoon of lemon juice or vinegar. vinegar to it to curdle it. And you're golden. This is a very easy recipe. It is. And that's one reason I like it to go along with the coffee. Now, say you're with a friend and you want to talk chickens for an hour and you want to make something quick to go with your coffee. This is what we've done for years is drink five cups of coffee and eat a little dessert for hours and talk. It's been known to happen. Yes. One thing I do with this recipe is I like to make this in a pie pan. Yeah. I mean, you can make it in an eight or nine inch cake pan, but I like it in a pie pan for whatever reason. I always make my coffee cakes in a pie dish. And that is weird in itself. They're good. It's a coffee they? cake. They're moist. <laughs> <laughs> and they have eggs in there. It's a coffee cake in a pie pan. So you're going to take all your dry ingredients and you're going to put them in a large bowl. And you're going to use one of those things that I love to use. The pastry it's blender. The pastry blender. Yeah. So you're going to cut your butter into your dry ingredients. You're going to stir in your buttermilk and your eggs until it's just combined. This is one of those recipes you don't want to overmix. No. You want it to be crumbly. You want the texture. Yeah. yeah. And once you have it poured into your dish, you will put your streusel on top. 
Yes. The streusel, you're also going to be cutting butter into a bit of flour, and there's sugar and some pecans in there because we like to spice it up. I, you know what I like to add into my coffee cake sometimes is a little bit of cinnamon, both in the yeah, dry ingredients and in the There's cinnamon topping. in the crumble for this one, but you can absolutely put it in the cake. Yeah. When I was a kid, my mom had a friend that would make coffee cakes, and they had mace in them. Oh. Which is from the nutmeg. Yeah. They were really good. When we were growing up, we're in the Mid-Atlantic, so we have a regional company called Tasty Cake here. That's right. And Tasty Cake was like the thing to have in your lunch. Oh, yeah. There is something in these Tasty Cakes that are like addicting. Like Probably. They made the best coffee cake Tasty, tasty <laughs> Cake right? ever. That was one of my favorites. Once you have it all poured into your baking dish, which uh-huh. we know that you like to use a pie dish. I do. It's a deep dish pie dish. It's a deeper one, yeah. 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 And then you're going to take all your crumbles that you're going to mix together yep. and put them over top. Yes. That is the best. I love the crumbles. Uh, is it really coffee cake without the streusel? On the no. Top? It's not. It's not. It's not at all. <laughs> this uses two large eggs, something delicious from your spring layers. You just bake it and then you have coffee with your bestie and talk about chickens for five hours. That's perfect. <laughs> I know. It's perfect. But Chicken, oven, cake, and coffee. You don't need anything hey, else. Hey, you get better than that? No. no. You put that in. It takes like 30, 35 minutes to cook. And you come out like shining like a star. Yeah. But it's really simple. It reminds me of our scone recipe that we did before. Yeah. It's it, another simple one. It's a simple one, but so good. I tend to go towards simple recipes that aren't a lot of flavor combos because I like simple flavor. That's yeah, just me. you're using good quality ingredients. For me, that comes back to the eggs, too. Well, good quality eggs yeah. can make your recipe. And this is a simple one that you can just make for anything. Absolutely. Take to the neighbor's house. Yeah. It's endless why you need a little coffee cake. There are far more reasons why you need cake than why you don't need cake. I know. I'm really craving a cake right I know. Now. I seriously, I can almost smell it. Those gluten-free pretzels aren't cutting it at this moment. No. We need a cake. We have our plan for the rest of the day. So if you have a different take on the coffee cake that's kind of interesting and different, message us. Tell us what you think. Send us pictures if you make it. Put some photos up on social media with your coffee cakes and tag us. And we'll give you a story. Okay. So it's about that time that we go to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be very simple this week. We want to showcase Haiti Joe Coffee. Yes. There are so many good things that are happening with Haiti Joe Coffee, and the coffee itself is purely delicious. Yeah, Diane told us a bit about it and the fact that you can order it as a gift and send it to someone, which I absolutely love. I love that. I also love the fact that you place your order and you can decide how much you want to donate. Yes, that's really nice. So if you are tight and you only want to donate a few dollars, you can do that. Or if you're having a little bit more luck that month and you want to donate a little bit more, you can. And you can just look them up online. We'll have all of the Rooster Root products linked to our show notes. and We will have the Haiti Joe Coffee linked as well. Yeah, it's delicious stuff. And the fact that you're helping children go to school in Haiti is amazing. K-12 Haiti is the charity. Diane and her family hand-walked leghorn eggs to this village so that they could hatch and have eggs there and then found people and families who were micro-growing these coffee beans and how smooth they are. To help these kids, it's well worth it. Check out the website. You can get to it just putting in Haiti Joe or going through Roost and Root. They have some really cool mugs, too. 
Oh, yeah, I love the mugs. They're really brightly colored. They're happy mugs. They're happy mugs. They're so brightly colored. And they even have a little video right on Rooster Root that tells you all about the coffee and how it's coming about. That's why Diane is featured in March, our month of extraordinary chicken ladies. She really is. Yes, she is. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are profiling a very unique chicken. With a unique name. It's the Death Layer, but it's a pretty chicken. Our main topic is our monthly roundtable with Fiona. We're going to be talking about the birds and the bees with chickens. Feather wear on your hens and how to fit hen saddles properly. Yeah, it seems funny, but it is a need to know. It is, absolutely. Our recipe is savory baked breakfast oatmeal. One of your faves. It's amazingly good. It sounds bizarre, I know, but give it a chance. And our retail therapy is hen saddles. saddles. Yeah, we're going to profile some hen saddle makers and tell you where you can get them. It's going to be a fun week because it's always fun with Fiona. Absolutely. So what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chicken. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.